0: Through 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Thank you, Travis. That was awesome. Good job, Travis. Wasn't that so good? Thank you, Travis, for reading today. That was wonderful. I am so excited to be preaching in Big Kid Church today. We're going to have a good time. I truly believe all ministries, kids' ministry, just some of them go play crafts and play games, but the rest of us, we stay in the sanctuary. So it's all kids' ministry because we all love Jesus, right? We all like to have fun, right? We're going to have fun. So I'm really excited. Uh, My title for my message today is Be Like Bartimaeus. Be like Bartimaeus. And before I say any more words, I want to make sure that God is invited in here and that he blesses us today. So let me pray. God, I thank you uh, for this day. I thank you that you have given us another day of life. I'm just so grateful. Uh, I just pray a blessing on your people. Just thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. Uh, I pray for a Holy Spirit anointing on me as I preach. And I pray for a blessing on your people that they wouldn't leave the same way they came in. Change us now. By the power of your Holy Spirit, it's in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Very good. Now, imagine with me, Jesus is right in front of you. And I don't know how you picture Jesus, but Jesus is right in front of you, and this is what happened with Bartimaeus. Jesus is right in front of you, and he says, what can I do for you? He asks you that question, what can I do for you? It's a powerful question. It's, it's, it's quite the favor, isn't it? I mean, literally, the favor of God. Like, what can I do for you? And I want, to th- I want you to think about your present situation, what you brought in today. How, what can Jesus do for you? What can he do for you? So I want you to consider that throughout my message today. Uh, Bartimaeus comes from two words. It's Bar uh son of the highly favored one. He, his name means highly favored. And most of his life, he, I mean, he was born blind. He was blind his whole life. He was a beggar. So I don't think he felt highly favored. He didn't feel highly favored. His circumstances were not ideal. They weren't highly favored in his eyes. But I believe that he was highly favored in the eyes of Jesus. I believe that Jesus loved Bartimaeus. Before he even healed him, just the way he was, Bartimaeus was loved by Jesus. And today I'm going to call him Bartimaeus. Because in the Bible, the, the section title in your Bible will say, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. But I don't like that first word. I don't like calling him blind Bartimaeus because at the end of the story, he's just Bartimaeus. He's just a man. He's a child of God. And Jesus loves Bartimaeus. And, uh, and people would call him Bartimaeus, or blind Bartimaeus, you beggar, get away from Jesus. They would say these hurtful words. But I don't think we're defined by our present circumstances, by our past, what we've done, but who Jesus says that we are. And so Jesus today calls you child. He calls you friend. He calls you beautiful. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. Jesus says, I love you, child. I'm not giving up on you. I made you, and I stepped back, and I said, they are good. They are good. And he says, son, daughter, embrace my love and my arms open wide. I love you, child. So if it's okay with everybody here, I'm not going to call him Blind Bartimaeus. I'm just going to call him Bartimaeus. Is that okay? Cool. Great. And so I'm going to call him Bartimaeus. And uh, I have three points today with the title, Be Like Bartimaeus. Number one, be brave to come to Jesus. Be brave to come to Jesus. Number two, be bold to tell Jesus what you need. He's asking you, What can I do for you? Be bold, tell him what you need. And lastly, believe that Jesus will meet your need. And so we're going to dive right in. Number one, be brave to come to Jesus. This is the first point. Be brave to come to Jesus. Even with the crowds hushing Bartimaeus, he made his way to Jesus. He wanted Jesus so desperately. And we have to be brave. I think of the story of Joshua, when God calls Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And he says in Joshua 1.9, it's a familiar verse, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous because the Lord your God will be with you. It's not that you can do it on your own. The power doesn't lie in you, but your strength is from the most high. And so it's not like a self-help talk with God. He's saying, Joshua, look in the mirror, say five times, I'm strong and courageous. I'm strong and courageous. No, 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 no. It's none of that self-help, look in the mirror, you got this. It's that God will be with you wherever you go. God goes before you. He's fighting fighting your battles. And he's the one where your strength lies today. And so be brave. And I don't think bravery is the absence of fear. It's not saying I'm not afraid. But it's saying, you know what, I am afraid, but I trust God. I am afraid, but I trust God. I know who's greater. And I love the calling of Moses found in Exodus chapter 3. God calls Moses with a burning bush, and it's a phenomenal story. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 13 because Moses is very relatable to, I think, all of us here. I can relate to Moses because I always want to know why, right? Why God? Why this? How is it going to get done? I want to know what's going to happen before I go. How many of you are planners? You just want to know what's going to happen before you go out like, that's just me. Um, And so he wanted to know why, and, it, and one of the questions he asks is he asks God his name in Exodus three thirteen, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And what God is doing, and what Moses is asking God is, what are your credentials? What should I tell the people? Who sent me? Because there's power in a name. And so God could have said a number of things. God could have said, I'm God the creator. I'm God the all-powerful. I'm God the all-knowing. I'm God your strength. Don't worry about it, child. But you know what he said? This is fascinating. In verse 14, he says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Isn't that good? Yahweh, I am that I am. And it says, this is what you're supposed to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's literally the pronoun, pronoun I in the state of being verb am. And I think God's very good at this, being in the state of being God. And, w- and we, we're not God, but sometimes in my life, I try to be God. I try to take control of a situation. I'm trying to understand, but I, I can't. And it's okay not to know. But when God said, I am that I am, what he's not saying is, I'm everything you'd want me to be. I'm everything that you think I am. No, child, I'm so much greater than what you think I am. You can't put me in a box. That's our God. And I'm so thankful that I can't understand God in his ways because it says in scripture his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so my God is so much greater than my situation. He's so much greater than what I have going on right now. And whatever you have given to Jesus today, and when he says, "What can I do for you?" you have to recognize that he's greater. He's bigger. He's stronger. I am that I am. If you need healing, I know the healer. If you need provision, I know the provider. If you need strength, I know where your strength lies. If circumstances are awry and you need some peace, I know the Prince of Peace. So I know where to find it. But again, I try to go through my life trying to figure it out. And I think it's very personal for us when we look at God and we say he's a good God and we see all the Israel Not all the Israel, all the evil, excuse me. That's funny, I made a mistake. Uh, But we have a good God, and we have a lot of evil, but it gets personal when something happens to us. It's like, oh, God's good all the time until, what? That guy just cut me off. And it's like, God is good all the time. We have to recognize that. Um, But uh, let me tell you something today, and I've learned this sometimes the hardest ways, and I'm still learning every day. If you keep asking why, 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 you'll always be discontented you'll always be discontented. Because I'll always want to know more. I want to know everything, but I can't know. And it's okay to not know. But if you seek not reasoning, but revelation, you'll lead to peace that surpasses all understanding. So it's that reasoning versus revelation. Sometimes God's not trying to tell you why. He's trying to say, I am that I am. I'm bigger. I'm greater. I got this, child. Trust me. You can be afraid, but believe that I am greater. And he is greater. And so we have to be brave to come to Jesus. And I'm going to give you some brave characters in Scripture. And these are people that are really afraid, but they did brave acts. So let's look at the first one in Mark 5, verse 33. We have the woman with the issue of blood. And she's been dealing with this issue for 12 years. And in that culture, she would have been considered unclean. You can't go to Jesus and she would have been cut off from society. But there's this large crowd pressing Jesus. And there's all these people that are touching Jesus. But she's like, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And so she touches him. And, and, and Jesus stops. He's like, well, who touched me? And the disciples like, Jesus, calm down. There's a lot of people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't tell God to calm down. Ever. But Jesus Jesus, like, no, 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 someone touched me. I felt it. It went out. And, and so this woman, knowing what happened, it says in verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And I believe that God loves the people that are broken, the people that are just on their knees saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know my next move. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't know how I'm going to get past this situation. It's so hard. And she's at the end of her rope. And then Jesus comforts her in the next verse. He says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I think many of us here would say, I want to be freed from my suffering. And and Jesus can do that. He will meet your need. Whatever you need is found in Jesus. There's the cross. And so she was really brave to go through the crowd and touch Jesus. And I think a lot of us are really close to Jesus in that you've been praying for something for a long time. And I want to agree with you in prayer, whatever it is, but you're so close. Keep praying. Keep coming to God. And keep being brave. And, number, and the second story I want to read is Zacchaeus. And there's a kid's song that goes along with Zacchaeus. Anybody know the kid's song? I hope I'm not the only one singing this on, in the front. But if you guys want to join around, we'll all be a chorus. Let's sing the song together. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And, and the Lord said, you come down. Did I skip a part? And the, going to my house today. I'm going to your house today. Was that good? Was that okay? We're going to have fun in kids' church. Um, and so it's just funny because we know that story, but we don't really know much about Zacchaeus as a kid. Like, oh, that's funny. But, and, uh, but Zacchaeus was a respectable man. He was the chief tax collector, which means he has a lot of money. Uh, people don't like him, but he has this group following, and, and he probably has a lot of wealth, but he's like, something is missing. And so he wanted to see about this Jesus, like, man, I need Jesus for myself. And so he came, and, and, and being Jesus, just who he is, he just invites himself over. And so Jesus is at his house, and he says in Luke 10, 9 through 10, uh, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And there's a parable that Jesus talks about, about the two sons, one leaves home with his inheritance, and we think of it as the story of the prodigal son. But it's funny in the story that the father never calls the son a prodigal. He's not someone that returned. He was always the son. He was just lost. I think many times in our life we're just lost, and we need to come back home. And Jesus always has the door open. He's saying, I'm standing at the door, and I'm knocking. And Jesus loves the poor in spirit. These two characters, Zacchaeus, he was so broken. He needed to see, is Jesus for real? I need something. And the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. She was so desperate for Jesus. And the broken want more of Jesus. And and Jesus wants the broken. It goes both ways. And he loves the people that don't have it all figured out. Can I ask today, who has it all figured out? I need to talk to you after service. (laughs) Because I don't have it figured out. But Zacchaeus was, or sorry, Bartimaeus was so excited about Jesus. He couldn't stop saying, Jesus, Jesus, I need you, Jesus. Hey, quiet down, Bartimaeus. Hey, no, I need Jesus. He was so brave. And it says in the Bible, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, what are you talking about? Now, the World Series has been going on, so I talk about the World Series. Has anybody been. Uh, watching the World Series last night. It's been been quite a ride. And so we talk about sports. Another thing I like to talk about is food. Uh, I encourage you to come after it and eat some chili with us. We're going to have a great time. So those are some of the things I talk about, but enough of that. Um, I also like to talk about Jesus because he's in my heart. But if, if out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, are you talking about Jesus? And if you're not talking about him, is he in your heart? And so it's just something to think about because Bartimaeus knew he needed Jesus. And people try to stop Bartimaeus. They said, hush, you blind beggar. Jesus doesn't want you. And that hurts. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, you're not blank enough? I mean, just fill the blank, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not good enough. You're, you don't have what it takes. And I don't have to go on and on because we all have been there. And it hurts. And Bartimaeus was really hurt. And the last character I want to talk about that was really brave is Peter when he walked on water. And there's this one verse that says Peter was walking on the water. And I think that's remarkable. He did come to Jesus, he did walk on the water. But the next verse says, when he saw the wind. And now, indulge me for a moment because I'm going to try to create wind in front of me. But I can't see this. Can you all see the wind? And I think a lot of our fears are irrational. I think a lot of things that we're worried about will never happen. And a lot of times in my life, I'm worried about things, I'm worried about this and that. And I don't know how it's all going to be figured out. And sometimes, and I do have ADD, so I'm all over the place. And, and sometimes I just have to be like, oh, where's Jesus? Oh, there he is. I'm, I'm relocating and then I get distracted again. And I'm worried about this and that. But where's Jesus? I need to find Jesus. Because the, the, Peter's problem was he lost sight of Jesus. And so if he kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have been able to walk on water. And I think that is a huge message for us today and that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. The wind and the waves will come. People are going to say all kinds of things. People are going to get in the way and and cir- circumstances are going to come in your life, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And it's time to let go and let God. Let go of what we got going on and let God take over. Trust him. Give him back the control. And we need to stop looking at the wind and the waves and fix your eyes on Jesus. And to conclude the first point, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen. But this, uh, this story of Peter reminds me of when we have to fix our eyes on Jesus in Hebrews 12. It reminds us, therefore, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you may not grow weary or lose heart. And Hebrews also reminds us that there's a harvest waiting for us if we won't give up. So have faith, look to Jesus, and be brave and come to Jesus. Number two, be bold to tell Jesus what you need. And he's asking you today, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What a favor from God. What can I do for you? And that's what he asked Bartimaeus And Jesus asks a blind beggar, what can I do for you? Isn't that kind of peculiar? Isn't that kind of strange that he would ask a man who's blind what he needs? It's not like he's going to say, oh, Lord, my toe has been hurting today. Can you just bless my toe? No, I'm being silly. Sometimes we don't tell God the truth. It's like, I got this, Lord. I can do this. I'll just keep begging. But no, he's like, I need Jesus. He gets to the problem. And it was just funny to me how Jesus would ask a blind beggar what he needed. Isn't it obvious, Lord? Don't you already know? But he does know. It says in Scripture that God knows what we need before we even ask him. And so I thought it was funny that he would ask Bartimaeus, what do you need? And he asked you today. And you're probably thinking, isn't it obvious, Lord? I've been praying for this for a long time. But Jesus didn't want more information. He didn't want to know what, he knew what Bartimaeus needed. But rather, Jesus wanted to know Bartimaeus' heart. He wanted to hear his heart. He wanted to hear his child just cry out to him for help. And Jesus wants to know your heart today. Jesus is asking you, what can I do for you? So what can Jesus do for you today? And it's very interesting, before uh, Bartimaeus gets Jesus' attention, he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it reminds me of a prayer called the Jesus Prayer, and it's going to be on the screen behind me. But it says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And a lot of times I don't know what to pray or I'm just thinking about things and I'll walk around my house, I'll walk around the church and I'll just pray, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so it establishes who God is and who I am. Jesus is the Son of God. I am a sinner and I need him so desperately. Does that make sense? So I encourage you to write that down, but let's repeat it together. And I'll say it, and then you guys repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a beautiful prayer, and it establishes who he is and who we are, and that we desperately need him. And have you ever gotten in the place where you just don't know what to pray for? You just I don't even know what to pray for. And I love this because we can go to God and, and pray this prayer. And Jesus even says in, in, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says about prayer, don't go on babbling like the pagans because they think they'll be heard by their many words. And, and we have to be precise. He knows. Just tell him the truth today. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And remember, he knows what you need before you ask him. And I think a lot of times he's just saying, will you give up control? Will you trust me? I know it's not your timing yet. It's not, we're not aligned yet. It hasn't happened yet, but do you still trust me? Do you still believe me? And we have to be bold to tell Jesus, and it takes courage to do that. And I love telling this parable to our kids. It's the parable found in Luke 11 where Jesus tells a story about a neighbor who goes to a neighbor's house and asks for bread. But none of these kids are going to their friend's house for bread. So I, I change the, the wording. I say he went over to his house for pizza. How many of you ever just get a good pizza at a friend's house? That's what we do today. We just pop it in the oven. We got DiGiorno's and different things so we just pop in real quick. And, and so if you guys like pizza, you might like this a little better than bread. So I'm just going to change it up for you. You just look at the Greek later. I, th- I think it's all the same. Um, and, so, and so he goes, hey, can I get some Pizza. We're going to change the pizza. Hey, can I get some pizza? I just had a friend that came over a long ways, and he needs some pizza. And, and, the, and Jesus said the neighbor's like, hey, I just put the kids to bed. You know how long that takes? We're about to go to sleep. You go home and get your own pizza. Hey, man, I just checked. 7-Eleven's closed. Can we get some pizza up in this place? I'm re- He's really hungry. We're really hungry. We need some pizza. And he said, no, 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 no. Uh, go away. You're a little crazy. You just moved in this week. Can you go home? No, no, no. Hey, you know, can I get some pizza? And they go back and forth. No, get out of here, man. You crazy. And, and I love the story because I love this verse that Jesus kind of concludes it and ties it all together. And it's really funny. I have the kids acted out. I, I kind of wish they were in here today, just having, have fun with it. Uh, but in Luke 11:8, 8, he says, I tell you, even though that he will not get up and give you uh, the bread or the pizza, look at the Greek, uh, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. And I believe that's what boldness is. Shameless audacity. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. It's, it, you're telling God, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop praying. I believe that you're going to do this. And it's a boldness. And you know where the boldness lies? It's knowing that you are loved by him. You can't come out of fear. I mean, we, we honor God and we have reverence and fear, but we have to know that he's saying, come, tell me what you need. It's that love relationship with Jesus. And if you think of God as this tyrant that doesn't love you, well, then it's kind of hard to tell him what you really need and to be honest with him. But if you know that you're loved and you know where that he's your father, I'm telling you, just tell him what he needs and he can do it. Because it says in Scripture that he is a good father. We say, we say double good in church. He's a good, good father. <laughs> and, uh, and he will give good gifts to his children who ask him. So be bold today. Tell him what you need. And there's one more story I, I like to tell, and it goes right along with this. Uh, it's a story of the unjust judge and the persistent widow. And so this widow had a case, and she said, can you hear it? No, no, get away. You know, this really awful judge, unlike our heavenly father. And in verse 4, we'll pick up the story. It says, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Isn't that scary? You know, how many times has she come over? Like one time she's like, hey, you got to hear this case. And they're like, whoa, hold on here. So he's, he's afraid for his life. And, but let me tell you today, it's very, it's very clear to me that we have a good God and a good judge in heaven that wants to hear your case. He's, he's like, just tell me. Tell me, son. Tell me, daughter. I want to hear your case. And he's a good judge, unlike the neighbor and the unjust judge that we just read about. So be bold and tell Jesus what you need. And I love looking around the room today because we have so many people in different places of their walk in faith. And we have people that have walked the walk and, and have fought the good fight. And people that are young in their faith. And I love leading the young people, the children, because they're so impressionable. And they really do love Jesus. They really do. It's they just, they, just so genuine with them. And so they're, they're young and we have people further along that can mentor them. And I'm so grateful for that. And I truly believe that as all of us, when we get there, we'll look back on our lives. And we'll say that God was faithful. That God was good and that his hand was in it all. Amen. Can anybody attest to that right now, that God has been faithful, that he's been true? Let's just give a clap offering to the Lord, because even in my young life, I know I have a lot more to in store in my life, and I'm young, and there's so much more to experience, but I already know that God's faithful, and I will trust him in whatever circumstance comes my way. Have you ever heard of the poem, Footprints in the Sand? I love it. Oh, most people have. I love it. And and if you don't know it or you just want to be reminded or you just want to go along with me, there was two sets of footprints for a while. And then all of a sudden, there was one... Set of footprints, and I, I don't have all the lyrics. I'll show you the last one in a minute. And I don't know the words, but it's something like, "Yo, Jesus, where you at?" Though I don't think those were the words, but it's like, well, "God, why did you leave me?" And it's like, it, we, we, there was two sets, and now there's one set of footprints, and then I'm doing it all by myself. God, where did you go? You abandoned me. And have you ever felt like that? Like, Jesus, where are you? And I think we'll look back and be like, He's been in it all. And I love the last line of the poem because there was two sets, and now there's one set of footprints. And and they wrote, the Lord replied, the times when you have seen only one set of footprints in the sand is when I carried you. Whew, that is good because I know that I need God to carry me so much. I am so weak in my own power. In fact, before I go up to preach, I get so nervous and, and, and sick to my stomach. I just say, God, I come weak to the pulpit every time. I just say, Lord, I come weak. And then he takes over and it all works out just fine. And so let me just remind you today that Jesus is for you. He hasn't left you. He's right there with you. He is the beginning and the end to your story. In Philippians 1:6 we're reminded to be confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that a good reminder for us today that he is the author, he's the finisher. He began a good work, he will complete it. We just have to be bold and remind him, this is what I need. This is what I need. Will you come through today? If you need strength, I know where to find it. If you need provision, I know where to find it. Whatever you need is found in Jesus. And so be bold and tell Jesus what you need. And lastly, believe that Jesus will meet your need. See, the reason why Bartimaeus was healed and so many characters in Scripture that I would just love to talk about, they were healed because their faith has healed them. Do You notice that? It's not like, oh, you said the magic words. Congratulations. Uh, But no, it's your faith has healed you. And Jesus, did you know that Jesus is impressed by two types of faith? Great faith and little faith. There's no lukewarm stuff of Jesus. It even says that he'll spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. It's like, are you all in or are you not? Great faith or little faith. And I'm going to give some examples of great faith and I'm going to give some examples of little faith so we get some context. But it's throughout scripture that Jesus is impressed by great faith and you'll read that in the text and then also little faith. There's no in between. And so the first example of great faith was the faith of the centurion. And that is found in Matthew 8, 5 through 10. And it reads, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Isn't that remarkable? Great faith. And it's funny, because this is not someone who went to church. This is a Roman centurion. He was in charge of a large army, between 80 two hundred men. And it's remarkable. that He knew Jesus. He had faith. He's like, and it just marvels me. Lord, I don't even have to go to church. I don't even have to be here. I just know you're going to do it. And he did. It's amazing. And then we also have the faith of the Canaanite woman. And I want to give some context. She had a demon-possessed daughter, and she uh, is a Canaanite, so she's not Jewish. And so we know that Jesus is the Messiah to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. But right now, everybody's calling him the Messiah, the one for the Greeks, or for the Jews, excuse me. So not for the Greeks or people that are not uh, Jewish. And so she was Canaanite. And so she's like, it's not her Messiah, but she believes the Jewish Messiah to be God and to be her healer. Uh, and so it's a remarkable story. So I wanted to give some context because Jesus says some things to her that might not be Christian-like. Um, but it says in Matthew 15:25 through 28. And I was joking about that, but you'll see. But she came to him and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's d- bread and throw it to the dogs. Ouch, Jesus. But she said, Lord, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She's like, I, I know you came for me, too. I know you can do it. I know you're my healer. And then Jesus said to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done to you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Isn't that amazing? Her faith was great. And these weren't church folk. It's amazing. And then we also have examples of little faith. Let me show you the contrast. We've got great faith, and now we have little faith. And on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, uh, in verses 30 to 32, uh, Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry, then, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And so, don't worry about your life. And that's what Jesus' message was, and I love that story. Because who can worry about their life? I mean, who can add a single hour, a single moment to their life by worrying? And here's the Luke Merrill philosophy of worrying, if you're curious. If you are worried about something that will never happen, then why do you worry? And if you're worried about something that will happen and there's something you can do about it, then why do you worry? And if you're worried about something that will happen and you can't do something about it, then why worry? In all circumstances, don't worry. So if you, and it's kind of like, I wish I had like a, like a little thing on the slide, like if you can do something about it, great, don't worry. If you can do something about it, great. And then on the other side, if you, if it's never going to happen, don't worry about it. You know, it's like a great grid or something. I should make that someday. So either way, don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. Be happy. Anyway, I'll stop. Yeah, you let the kids pastor preach. And lastly, uh, the last story I want to read for Little Faith. It's with the disciples, the men that have been with Jesus and saw the miracles, saw everything that Jesus has done, but they lost faith. And there's this storm that was brewing on the water, and it's found in Matthew eight twenty-three through 27. And before I read this, I want to remind you that they were experienced fishermen. They have seen storms in their day. So this must have been an outrageous storm. It says in Matthew 8, when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with waves. But Jesus himself was asleep, and they came to him and woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he went to them, said, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Ouch. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and the sea. And it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Isn't that remarkable? Have you ever woken up from a nap? And it was like a really good nap. And Jesus was taking a nap and he's like guy, you're like, oh. <laughs> what did he say? Why are you afraid? You meant a little faith, you know, like. And then he's like, y'all, be quiet, be quiet, hush down, quiet. And he goes back to sleep. Isn't that amazing? I don't think Jesus is worried about some of the things that we're worried about sometimes. And I already told you, don't worry about it anyway. And so it's amazing that the people that have been with Jesus the longest, they saw the feeding of the 5,000. They saw the miracles. They were afraid of a storm. And I know there's a lot of storms in our life. I heard it said that we're going into the storm, we're into a storm, or we're going out of a storm. But Jesus was always in the storm. And I don't think Jesus would have, you know, left them or just kept sleeping. Either way, he would probably floated to the top and walked home. But that's beside the point. Um, I think Jesus is with us in every storm, every situation of our lives, and that he will be there for you when you need him. So just tell him today, what can I do for you? All right, Lord, I'm starting to believe it now. Maybe he can meet my need. And so believe that Jesus will do it. Don't just say things and not believe it in faith. You have to have the faith element. So be brave to come to Jesus. Be brave. Take that initiation. He's knocking at the door. we got to come to him. And remember, he made the first move. He loved you first. And we can only love because he first loved us. And and number two, be bold to tell Jesus what you need. And I want to tell you, he really does love you. And he loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. you, Forever and ever, there is no reason. And if you try to get back to Moses saying, why do you love me, Lord? Why would you call me? You'll never know. And I think it's because we just have to be broken and recognize that he does love us, that he can use us, and we can do great things for him if we would trust him and believe. And lastly, when you tell him what you need, believe that Jesus will meet your need. Believe that Jesus will meet your need. And there's a thought I want to end with here, and I'll, I'll expound on it. But it's remarkable to me, this is not in the text, but it's fascinating. You can't find it in Scripture, but we know that Jesus never passed that way again. Isn't that amazing? Jesus never passed through Jericho again. He was on his way to Jerusalem where he died on the cross for all the sins of the world. And so he's at the edge of town. So Bartimaeus is sitting down, he's at the edge of town, and he knows this is the exit gate. So he doesn't know where Jesus is, but he knows that he's there, he's coming, and there's a huge crowd. He's like, Jesus, I need you. And I'm really loud. And Jesus, I need you. But he was desperate for Jesus, and he knew this was his last chance. And I'm not saying you'll never have another chance to follow Jesus. What I'm saying is there's never a better moment to follow Jesus than right now. Right now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength right now in the present moment. This is it. And I'm not saying, I'm not promising tomorrow. I'm not God. I don't know. But what I do know is that he is able right now. And I want to tell you today to come to Jesus because he says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that amazing? And so that's what Jesus says. And, and I love this verse in the story that Travis read so well for us today. Thank you, Travis. In Mark 10 50, it says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet. Wasn't that good? And came to Jesus. He took off his beggar's cloak, jumped to his feet, and came to Jesus. And I feel like this is, this is the verse to end on because this is so powerful. His whole life he was known as a beggar. He had this cloak marking him unclean, 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 the old man. And he has it down, and I'm going to see if I can take this off. See, another, another vest, it's good. Um, but I, he put it down, and, and this is what marked him. I know this looks really nice, but his probably didn't look so nice. Um, and, and so he put it down, and, and, and that was what marked him his whole life. And then it says he jumped up. And he went to follow Jesus. His old life was behind him. He stepped into his new life, and he followed Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is able. He is here today. And I am so excited to see the miracle happen in your life. Come to Jesus today. His arms are open wide. We're going to sing a song as we conclude here. And uh, and I'm really excited about this song. It's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Because if you got anything for my message today, it's all about Jesus. You got to come to him. You got to believe in him. It's all about Jesus. In in the lyrics to the song, as Leanne comes to set up, I'm going to read it. And I'm going to read Hebrews 12 one more time. And I want you to stand to your feet now, believing that Jesus can do it. He is here. He is able. What do you need him to do? It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face and the things of this earth whatever you gave to Jesus whatever is face, you're facing right now in front of you, it looks so big but the things of this earth will grow strangely dim it will just disappear when you look to Jesus, when you look at Jesus everything else gets a whole lot smaller because I know who my God is he is who he is, he is so much greater in the light of his glory and grace and I want to read Hebrews 12 and then we're going to sing together I think of Bartimaeus as he takes off his cloak, he jumps up, and he follows Jesus when I read this. I think of that. It says in Hebrews 12, therefore, since we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you would not grow weary or lose heart. Would you sing with us today? I'm so excited. Are we ready, Leanne? Let's sing together. Thank you, Lord. So we God meets you right where you're at. Let's just remain standing in a posture of praise and brokenness before God. God, we need you so desperately. We can't go on any further without you. God, we thank you that you are all that we need. Thank you that as we look to your son Jesus, the things of this world